0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths in following God's plan.
1: Be strong, be
0: courageous, be very courageous.
1: Why? It implies difficult decisions to make. And if you don't judge those decisions by the word of God, then you're going to be led by your emotions and they may be one degree off. Take a plane and you take off and you're only one degree at the end of the runway. It doesn't seem that bad then. But if you're going to Hawaii, you're never going to hit Hawaii because the further you travel, the further out that degree gets.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We say we love chocolate, our cat, our car, and even God. But are these really on the same level? Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Joshua as he reminds us of the importance of ordering our devotion. Let's learn what it means to have a first and foremost love for the Lord and realize the impact of this type of dedication will have on our lives and ministry. Let's listen.
1: Joshua 23, verse 1 through 16. And the message is entitled, A Stern and Solemn Warning to Leaders. What we have in these last two chapters in the book of Joshua is the farewell speech of Joshua to the nation of Israel. In chapter 23... Is Joshua's personal testimony to the leaders regarding God's faithfulness as well as his own, with instruction and warnings about apostasy? Chapter 24 is God's witness of his faithfulness throughout their history, the flip side of it, and the renewed covenant by Joshua and the people. Now you know that Moses did kind of the same thing in the book of Deuteronomy from chapter 12 to 26. And that's usually the case when someone is ready to die. They're old. They know they're getting close. We see it with Moses there in Deuteronomy 12 to 26. He reminds them of all that God did, and he gives them the instructions. He gives them the warning. He reminds them of God's faithfulness. And so what we want to do is look at the last words of Joshua here to the leaders, reminding them about the faithfulness of God as well as the warnings against apostasy. Let me read here chapter 23. Now it came to pass, a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua was old, advanced in years. And Joshua called for all the Israel, for their elders, their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in years, or age. Uh, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done in all the nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot. These nations that remain, um, to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan, all the nations that I have cut off, as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out out of your sight. So you shall possess their land, and the Lord your God has promised you. Therefore, be very courageous to keep all and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand Or to the left. Unless you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them or bow down to them. But you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. Therefore take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these uh, that remain among you, and make marriages with them, and go into them and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will not Any longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you, not one word of them has failed. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this place or this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. The last words of Joshua to the leaders, a reminder of God's faithfulness as well as warning against apostasy. It's marked by three things. First, a personal proclamation about God's Victories, verse 1 through 5. Secondly, the prompt exhortation to abide in God's blessings, verse 6 through 11. And then thirdly, the admonishment about future disobedience in verse 12 through 16. The personal proclamation about God's victories is found there in verses 1 through 5. Notice the occasion for the witness is found in verse 1 and 2. The occasion took place a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies. The location is not disclosed uh, for us. Probably it's Shiloh then. It's a guess since Shiloh was the center. But notice also the condition of Joshua was that he was old, he's advanced in age. And as you get along in years and you get close, to the time where, you know, you start pushing 65, 70, 75, 80, you don't buy bananas green, you know? <laughs> Some think that um, perhaps is about 25 years after entering the land. If so, we know Joshua was 110 years of age when he died. In the next chapter, it tells us, Verse 29. If he was the same age as Caleb, 85 in chapter 14, verse 10, when Caleb asked for his inheritance, and that was seven years after the land, then Joshua was probably about 103 here. That's old. But sometimes God is very graceful and allows people to live long in good health. When you get up in those years, you start reflecting about the reality of life if you walk with God. And more than ever before, you know what's of true value and what is not. And when an old person's going to die and his children come to his bedside, or he calls for a meeting because he knows that he's going to pass, he reminds him of those basic things that are the most important because he realizes and she realizes the true value of life. It's not all the junk the world tells us. Notice the one who called them to assembly was Joshua in verse 2. He's the one that's old. All of Israel, including the elders, the heads, the judges, their officers, all the leaders. This is the context. He's dealing with the leaders. I am old, advancing years. He knew his life was nearly over. He knew his ministry charge was almost at a close. As Paul says, I am already being offered up. I have fought the good fight. And the longer you go out with God, you get closer to that mark. And it's great to be able to look back and say, you know what? It's been great. It's been a great race and you've seen all that God has done there's nothing but joy and excitement notice the partnership in the witness in verse 3 through 5 God had been the one who had brought victory against the nations by their own witness they had seen it they were there no one told them about it they were there this is important You are there whenever God is doing something. You have been there from the day you were born again. You were there when he took you through the problems of your marriage, the problems with your kids, the problems of finances. You were there when he gave you victory. They had seen all that the Lord, their God, had done to all the nations for their sakes. Verse 3 says, for their sake. They had seen how the Lord, their God, had fought for them. In fact, the theme of the book of Joshua, you know, is rest. Rest. Though now the land is conquered, there are still battles. The war is over, but there are still battles. The war is over. Jesus Christ destroys Satan at the cross. But there are still battles, right? We still have to deal with the flesh. We have to deal with issues, right? But the war is over. Victory is conquered. In verse 4, the partnership comes to light. It's Joshua. Joshua had divided the land. Now God had given him the land. Joshua divided the land. A great administrator, as we've seen. They had seen the division of the nations that remained by lot. God chose the lots and gave them a portion depending on the size of the tribe and everything else. They had received these divisions as an inheritance for each tribe along with the nations that Joshua had cut off. And you see this partnership where God wants a thing done and he picks a man and he picks a nation, he picks a people and he does the work that he might get the glory. From Mount Hermon and beyond that down all the way to the south From the Jordan all the way over to the Mediterranean Sea. God would fulfill this promise completely, verse 5 says. And the Lord their God would expel them from before them and drive them out of their sight. So they were to possess the land themselves according to the promise. And here's that partnership. Christ has conquered. Christ has been the victor at the cross. Christ rose from the dead. Now we become children of God. Now what are we doing with our inheritance? Do we really walk in those promises? Do we really say, Lord, this is what you did? There are a lot of Christians who walk as paupers. Christ says, you sit in the heavenlies. Now, again, Moses had told him beforehand about all this. All that God had done, that he would fulfill the promises. He reminded them over and over again. But isn't that what we do as parents to our children? We remind them of the promises we've given to them. We remind them of everything. We're there to remind them. And this is what God does to us. This is what the scriptures do for us. One said this. The wisest thing President Woodrow Wilson said was one of the simplest when he remarked that as president, he liked to put a man on an important job to see whether he grew or just swelled. That's good. Paul, the leader, as you know, spoke to the Ephesian elders before he left. He has spent there about three years. In Acts chapter 20, verse 19 through 38, before he moves on to Jerusalem, he speaks to them. And you're familiar with that passage where he gave a witness there of his service to God, to sinners, and to the church. He was faithful, yet he constantly let them know and pointed out that he depended on the Holy Spirit for God to do that work through him, that it wasn't him. He commended them to the word of God. They were responsible to God, but also he declared his integrity. How he worked with his hands, he ripped no one off. This is what Joshua was doing at the end of his life as a leader and reminding because the baton is going to be passed to them now. Leaders must always give a true witness of their dependency upon God. It's so important. And their human commitment is part of that. There's that partnership that goes on. And it's to be source of encouragement to the average Christian as they hear the word of God and they see the life of the leader rather than praising the leader. There's a problem with that today. There's too much pastor worship today. Paul the Apostle in 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7 through 10 said this. Listen to him. In our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation, verse 7 says. So just as we have been comforted by God in our distresses, He's going to do the same to you. You know why? Because we're both the same. Pretty heavy. He's a great leader. But yet they both have the privilege to come to God and God meet their need. There's no difference. In verse 8, He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our troubles which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. There's a transparency. We're not superhuman. We freaked out just like you would have freaked out. But as we did, we said, well, this is it. Hey, all right, Lord, it's up to you, life or death. Wow, what an encouragement to the people. Verse 9 says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And He's pointing to them. I had to remind myself of this. I had have to have, grab a hold of this because I'm human, also. Then He gives us confidence in verse ten: Who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us. And in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. He delivered us in the past. He just delivered us in the present. And you know what? He's going to deliver me in the future if need be. Wow. He's a leader that's pointing people to God that way. To trust in him. That God is sufficient. The leader may not always be around, but God's always there, right? He's there for the leader as well as the average Christian, right? And the only difference between the leader and the average Christian is the leader has greater responsibility and accountability. That's all. And so the personal proclamation about God's victory to the leaders, a reminder. Because it's so easy to forget what God has done. It's so easy to say, well, you know, you know we, we, we've got it together. We've got this. We've got that. And we've got it all wired. No, no, no. you got to be reminded. Notice, secondly, in verse 6 through 11, the prompt exhortation to abide in God's blessings. The exhortation for ongoing blessing is by way of warning notice that verse 6 the reasonable request listen to it it involves the right attitude therefore be very courageous that's how he began his commission in chapter 1 verse 7 he's going out he's giving the same advice for those who are going to take over it involves the right actions to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses the first five books. So here again, the law was already codified. It was always accepted as inspired by God. This is a standard for the people of God. Now look, the reasons for the request are several. From verse 6, the rest of it there, to verse 7. First, to maintain stability. Listen to the words. Lest you turn aside from it to the right or to the left. Stability. What's going to give you stability in life is the Word of God. So that everything comes in, To your ears, to your eyes, to the enticement, you're going to judge through the word. You're going to say, nope, yep, nope, nope, yeah. You're going to be able to judge it. Stability. You're not moved. Secondly, to not mingle with the unbelievers in tempting themselves. Lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you. They had compromise. We already have seen this. It'll be further noticed in the book of Judges. They had left pockets of people in. Little compromises that the little foxes that spoil the vine, the scripture says. But thirdly, to not meddle to their own hurt. You shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. Over and over again, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 3 through 5. Is given um, Deuteronomy again, the Ten Commandments five, seven through nine, all through Deuteronomy, uh, the apostasy and or false prophets in Deuteronomy thirteen, and I mean so many things. The warning always God. We say, well, you know we don't have I don't have an idol, but you know idolatry is of the heart, and we may not be pagan and bow to this image, though today's people still do. But we bow to a car, we bow to a house, we bow to a, to a profession, we bow to an income, whatever it may be. And so the right thing to do is in verse 8. But you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. This is what God told Joshua at his commission in chapter 1, verse 7 through 9 and 18. Be strong, be courageous, be very courageous. courageous. Why? It implies difficult times ahead. It it, it implies that there are going to be difficult decisions to make, definite decisions to make. And if you don't judge those decisions by the Word of God, then you're going to be led by your emotions, by your feelings, by your own desires. And they may be one degree off. And you say, ah, it's only a little bit. Well, if you take a plane and you take off and you're only one degree at the end of the runway, it doesn't seem that bad then. But if you're going to Hawaii, you're never going to hit Hawaii. Hawaii. Because the further you travel, the further out that degree gets. And that's the problem. This is what God expects for our life. The whole fast. In fact, the word whole fast in the Hebrew is used for the intimate binding of husband and wife in Genesis two twenty four. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The two should become one flesh. You're married to Christ. Paul says that to the Corinthians. I've espoused you the chaste virgin to Christ. And I fear lest you be beguiled by the subtlety of Satan even as he divi- uh, beguiled Eve, deceived her. Notice the exhortation for ongoing blessing is by way of promise in verse 9 through 11. Verse 9, the past promises have been fulfilled by God. God was the one who defeated the enemy. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. This is the second reminder, the first that was in verse 3. But this is not the first in the book nor in the word of God. It's something to repeat it over and over and over again. You as a good father, as a good mother, you remind your children every day, every day, every week, every month, every year, every age level. You remind them, you warn them because you love them. Israel was seen as the victor he had defeated the enemy but Israel had been seen as the victor but as for you no one has been able to stand against you to this day you see the pride of man is ever present he is so quick to forget what God has done and is tempted to take the glory always there's the danger in my life That I move on and God does everything so progressively, so merciful, so graceful, so incredibly perfect. And then I just think, well, you know, I haven't done bad myself. And pretty soon, you know, it's God and me and pretty soon it's, it's, it's me and God. And things flop over. And I start writing my books about how I made Calvary Chapel Pasadena grow. And how faithful I was. And what a man of faith I was. And the angels throw up. (laughs) Hmm. You see, the future promises will equally be fulfilled by God in verse 10. If he's done the past, won't he do the future? Of course he will. Israel would be invincible. One man of you shall chase a thousand. This was not an exaggeration. People, well, you know, the Bible exaggerates a lot. No, 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 no. I mean, the next book's going to show you that. Gideon, 300, against thousands of the Midianites. David, even to the present day, in 1973, one Israeli tank in the Golan Heights held off hundreds of other Syrian tanks and troops. They don't know how to explain it. <laughs> I do. God, God would be the one fighting for them. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Leviticus uh, 26, 7 through 8, Deuteronomy 28, 7, here, I mean, on and on and on. He's the one that would fight for them. He's the one that would go before them. He's the one that did it. Why would he not do it in the future? He promised he would. And so notice the present promises are conditional on the relationship to God. He did the past, he'll do the future, but the present promises are conditional here. And there are many promises, even in the New Testament, that are unconditional, but there are many that are conditional. So we have to make a look at the text and see, is it conditional, is it unconditional? The relationship with God was personal and individual with great accountability as leaders. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves very personal even as Paul to the Ephesians you take care of yourself as leaders first you're Christians take care of your Christian life second as leaders take care of the burden that you have and the responsibility you have because I'll get you whoa the relationship to God could only be maintained notice by their love for God that you love the Lord your God the Shema of Israel the Lord your God is one the greatest commandment love the Lord your God with all your mind heart and soul Second, love your neighbor as yourself. And these two are the prophets fulfilled in the law. Hmm. Love for God. G. Campbell Morgan said, quote, I believe the promises of God enough to venture an eternity on them. How about you?
0: Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us of our need to put our first love in priority. Now, you can hear this message again anytime online by browsing for today's date when you click on the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. You can also request your own copy of today's revealing study from the book of Joshua as well. It's titled, A Stern and Solemn Warning to Leaders. And as always, it's available on CD for just $4. Now, once again, you'll be asking for the title, A Stern and Solemn Warning to Leaders. Or simply mention today's date with your request. 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Is your heart set after God? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time on Simple Truths.